I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy. I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 61, in which we launch a new segment. Woohoo! I am so excited. This has been a long time coming, but before we get to that, I am recording this on at least this part of this on uh, Thursday, September 15th, 2011. Um, the rest of this episode was recorded a few days ago, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I, like I said, I'm really excited. This segment has been in the works for months, months and months and months. I, I don't know, maybe last February or March. I don't remember when I first approached art quilt maker Jay about doing this segment with me, but um, it took us a long time to get it together. She has graciously agreed to do an ongoing series of segments on my podcast on design. And so this episode kind of launches this whole series. In this episode, we're going to talk about design in general, why all quilters all good quilters should learn about good design, regardless of what kind of quilting you do. And then a basic introduction to design. This episode, I guess you could kind of consider design 101, if you will. And then that's going to lead into segments on each element and then each principle of design. And to understand why I'm referring to principles and elements and what those mean and what the difference is, you gotta listen to the rest of the episode. Um, after our conversation, and yes, indeed, I give homework too, um, I will give a Sandy update and do listener feedback and most importantly, announce the winner of the Summer Quarter Stash Mystery Giveaway. So make sure you listen to the very, very end, the last seconds, and then you can dance along with my outro music. Uh, so anyway... To get back to the new segment, the new series on this podcast in design, uh, again, this is going to be the first intro design 101 segment, and then in some sort of regular basis after this, we'll be doing additional segments. I'm, again, really excited about this. Uh, Jay and I have a heck of a time getting our schedules together, mostly because we're East Coast, West Coast, so it's either really, really late for me or really, really early for her, so I think maybe we'll have to alternate off which one of us were waking up <laughs> whenever we do these. In any case, um, thank you very much, Jay, for being willing to do this with me. Uh, I'm excited to finally be able to launch it. So for everybody who is listening, here we go and enjoy. Jay, thanks so much for uh, coming on this segment with me today. Why don't you start out by um, introducing yourself to those in our audience who may not have made your acquaintance in any other <laughs> venue yet. Um, why don't you describe yourself a little bit, tell us who you are, and describe yourself as a quilt maker. I am Jay. I am the writer of our quilt maker blog. I have been a quilt maker for at least 20 years. Before they had patterns and lines of fabric, shall we say. Um, I make about 10 quilts a year and they're a wide variety of designs. Mostly I design my own quilts and I'm usually working through different problems or challenges that I make up in my own mind and I do like blocks and traditional sort of patterns but I usually make them in 
bright fabrics, bright and cheerful and lots of aqua and pink and yellow and red. <laughs> I don't know what else but I tell I know you said to me at one point um, that you like to work in series. Do you want to talk a little bit more about um, the, the way that you work in series, what that does for you? Sure. So sometimes I will find a pattern or an idea that I like to, I'd like to make. So I'll make the quilt and something about it just won't be quite right. And if it's the kind of quilt that lends itself to a series or I have a reason to make another one, then I'll make another one and make some adjustments to that design so that I'm happier with it. Right now, I I have a whole bunch of series that are in progress in different stages. My main series is my Fabric of the Year series, and I make one of those every year. I'm working on my fourth quilt. I believe it's the fourth. It's kind of <laughs> funny that you lose track altogether. <laughs> yeah, it might be the it might be the fifth, but I think it's the fourth. And what I have done so far in that series is cut a piece of fabric from every fabric that I use or buy during the year. It depends on the year what I did. So this year I'm using fabrics that I've either bought or used. So they may have already been in my stash. And I, so far in this series, I have picked a shape and then made a quilt out of it. And the way I do it is I just start cutting at the beginning of the year, usually in February after I finish the previous quilt, the previous year's quilt. And then I'll cut, 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 cut all year. And in December, I will make a cutoff time and stop cutting and start organizing for sewing the quilt together. And I usually do that on my guild retreat in January. And I have, I'm not a big quilter in terms of sewing the three layers together, but so far I have quilted all of these quilts except for one myself. The one I didn't quilt myself was just too large for me to manage. Right. I, uh, all of my quilts lately have been on the large size. The, the most recent one, Fabric of the Year 2010, is, I think, 72 by 87 or something like that, which is large for me. It's not king size, but it's, it's large for me. It's bigger than a wall hanging, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it it sounds like a lot of your quilts um start out more as a concept that you want to play with than it does a particular design right off the bat. Yes. I don't do much of looking in books for patterns. Although I do look at books with patterns and I do get ideas from them. I just can't seem to make them as designed in the book. <laughs> I usually have to change them somehow. Maybe I don't have enough fabric, or I don't particularly like that shape, or I don't know. I just seem incapable. But I learned, I learned in a way that it wasn't pattern oriented. When I learned, the way you learned was you took a sampler class. So I took a sampler class, and in a sampler class, you learn all different techniques. So you learn how to 
match points and do triangles and set in scenes and make a Lemoyne star and hand applique. So the way I learned was to put blocks together in my own way, and I still tend to do that. Except more now, I put pieces together in my own way rather than blocks all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't seen a lot of blocks in it. the pictures of your quilts <laughs> on your blocks. <laughs> well, what I, a lot of my quilts are made in block format, but you just can't tell. Mm-hmm. Like the most recent one, well, not the most recent, but one that I did recently was called Pavers. And that is actually made in block format, but it's made in such a way where it looks like an overall design. And I kind of like it when you can't tell where the border ends and, I mean, where the middle of the quilt ends and the border starts. I like it to be a cohesive whole. All right. Well, you know, a lot of what you were just describing is exactly as I've gotten to know you over this last year as you've been leaving comments on my blog and we started or on my uh, podcast and then we started emailing back and forth. Um, you and I got into some conversations a long time ago, and I just want to let our listeners know that this segment has been months in the making, I think, well before you were even a glimmer in Mark Lipinski's eye. You and I have been talking about trying to get this segment together. So, And it's taken us so long, not only because of both of our schedules, but because this is something that is so important to you that we really wanted to kind of get it right. So we've spent a lot of time talking about how this was going to work. So let's start out by talking about why is design important to for quilt makers to learn? In my opinion, and there are many, many different opinions about this, if something looks wrong to you in a quilt, and it doesn't matter what kind of quilt it is, it can be your Dresden plate or your nine patch or your fancy landscape art quilt. If something looks wrong, it's because something went wrong in the design process. And what usually happens to me, if I finish a quilt and I look at it and I go, oh, or ugh, what was I thinking? It's because I said to myself, I'm tired, I don't have enough fabric, or it will be fine then it's not going to be fine. I know now, or I'm trying to know, that if I say to myself, it'll be fine, just continue, it's not going to be fine, and I'm going to hate it. You're trying to learn to listen to that red flag when it pops up. Yeah, but that, I mean, you can walk in quilt shows, and I think, for me, the biggest design problem is people saying, I need a bigger quilt. I'm slapping four lengths of fabric on this baby so I can finish it and it'll be big enough for my dad, son, sister, niece, brother-in-law's bed. And I think that's the worst, not the worst, but the most prevalent design challenge. You know, it's and that's interesting. That that says, to, you know, a lot of times we're used to thinking about design principles and elements and things when it comes to art quilt making. You know, obviously when you look at an art quilt, you think, oh yeah, that's been designed. You don't necessarily think of it as much in terms of traditional quilting. And then certainly 
for a lot of quilters, and I include myself in this, I would say 75% of the quilt making I do is following a pattern. You know, I may mm-hmm. tweak it up here and there, but I'm mostly following patterns. Um, and certainly that's how I learned to quilt to start with. So I was not accustomed to thinking in terms of design because I was kind of just repeating somebody else's design. So how would you say then that that design, understanding design has an impact on those other categories of traditional quilt making, modern quilt making, following patterns? If you buy a pattern and it's not a kit, it's just a pattern, or you get a pattern out of a book, you may not particularly like the colors on the picture in the pattern. Color is an element of design. And to make beautiful quilts, you need to know about color. If you buy a kit, there may be one color that you don't like or you don't want to use. And by knowing about design, you can replace that color successfully. And also, balance is a principle of design. If your eye sees an element of the quilt as being unbalanced, then knowing about design will help you adjust it. And just because it's a pattern either one in a little envelope that you bought at your local quilt store or in a book, it doesn't mean that it has the right balance. Or you may need to make it bigger, maybe one row of blocks bigger, because that's the size of your bed or your couch or that extra long college dorm bed. (laughs) And you need to make sure that it's balanced so that it looks good. I mean, if you want it to be good. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and If I you don't care, then You brought up an matter. important point that, you know, just because you buy a kit doesn't necessarily mean, and I've used kits in my life, and I'm not saying anything bad against kits, but just because somebody has put a kit together doesn't necessarily mean that that is, first of all, that's not the one and only way you can make that quilt you know, with that particular set of color combinations. But it may also be that when you pull the fabrics out of that kit, Maybe you're not fully jazzed by all of them. Or maybe the scale is all the same. Scale is part of design. It's an element of design, and it falls under size. So if you have all small calicos, even if they're your favorite colors, there are some pieces of the quilt, some of the piecing that will that you won't be able to see if you stand back from it because the scale of the fabrics are all you need them. You need some difference. Right. One of the things you mentioned um, as part of this is also just how to assess your own quilts, because certainly I think probably anybody who has made more than three quilts in their life has probably had one that they've looked at when they're all done and have thought, you know, something's just not right about that. And you may yep. not always be able to identify right off the bat what it is. So. Mm-hmm. In what you're bringing up about design, then, it's not only, you know, in the planning, it's also assessing when it's done or when you're doing the quilts. Yeah, and as you go along, I mean, that's why people say get a design wall or a design door or a design floor, (laughs) put your stuff down and look at it. Stand back and look at it or stand on a a ladder or a – a step stool and look at it and see what's jumping out at you okay. in a in a bad way right or an attractive way 
Right. And there's, there's certainly tricks that, and I think I've addressed these on other podcasts about using a reducing glass or you take a picture so that you can get that distance from it. Like my design wall is hung in such a place that I can only get five feet away from it. So I have to use all these other tricks to give me more of that distance to get the better view of the design. Yeah, and you if you have a large quilt that doesn't fit on your design wall, you can go lay it on the living room floor and stand back or whatever you need to do. There are a lot of different ways to look at it, and reducing glass and photos are two of them. All right, so as we've talked, we've used two different terms here. We've said design principles and we've said design elements. Let's yep. let's take a shot. You and I have had a lot of conversation about how to define what the difference is between those two. So let's take a shot at trying to give an explanation. What's the what's a principle? What's an element? What's the difference between the two? Okay. So usually from my research in in art classes, the principles are taught first and then the elements are taught. I think that you and I agreed we're going to do the elements first because they're a little easier for me to understand. So the elements of design, and I'll get to the definition in just a sec, are line, shape, value, color, movement, size, and I include scale in size, and pattern. The elements are, the elements form the vocabulary of the design. The elements of design are the language of the visual arts. The elements are the components or parts which can be isolated and defined in any visual design or work of art. They are the structure of the work and can carry a wide variety of messages. So they, one of the reasons why I want to do these first before the principles is they're the ones that we as quilt makers work with. Lines are your quilting lines, your seam lines, stripes or patterns in the fabric that have strong directional showing, I don't know what to say, that show up very strongly. Shapes are the shape of the quilt, the shape of the block. Value and color go together. We all know what color is and how important that is in our perception of a quilt and our reaction to the quilt and value is just how light or dark that is. A movement, so you want your eye to move around the quilt. Size, like I said, that has to do with the size of the quilt, the size of the blocks in relation to the size of the quilt, the size of the patterns on the fabric, and then pattern. So the block pattern, the quilt pattern, the pattern of the fabric, all of those form the structure of a quilt, and those are the elements of design. The principles are unity, harmony, contrast, rhythm, repetition, gradation, balance, dominance. These are the tough guys in my opinion. The principles constitute the broader structural aspects of a design's composition. The principles are concepts used to organize or arrange the structural elements of design. The way in which these principles are applied affects the expressive content or the message of the work. So I'm not going to go through all of these because we don't use all of them overtly in quilt making, and we'll get to them in more detail. But contrast is really important in quilts. If you're doing complicated piecing, you want it to show up, and that's contrast. Repetition, if you're doing an all-block, all-the-same-block quilt, that 
is repetition. Gradation, that also has to do with color and value, how colors or values move across the quilt from one to another. And balance. Balance is really, really important. And not just in in art quilts, but in all quilts. If you are doing a sampler, for example, you might want to put all the blocks that read as round or have round elements apart from each other. So maybe in the four corners, for example, that's very simplistic, but so that it is balanced and you don't see a big clump of them in one corner. That's again, looking at it on the design wall or your design floor or whatever. So hopefully people can understand that. (laughs) Well, if not now, by the time we're done with our series, (laughs) hopefully they will. Um, So basically then line, shape, value, color, movement, scale, size, pattern are the ways then that unity is expressed, that harmony is expressed, that contrast is expressed. So it's sort of like the building blocks and the building in some respects. Exactly. That's exactly right. Okay, and so we'll, we will start out by dealing with the principles first. So we haven't entirely figured out every jot and tittle of, I'm sorry, yes, the elements first. We haven't figured out every jot and tittle of the schedule <laughs> of how we're going to do this, um, partly because we both do travel and, and have families, et cetera. So in some regular way, we are going to be doing short segments as part of um, episodes on each of these things over the next several weeks and months. And I'm also going to be giving homework each time. <laughs> so so uh, those who really want to get into this, you can either just listen and learn, or you can actually do the, the homework that we suggest. It'll never be anything um, really extensive because I don't have that much time, and I know... <laughs> Other people don't have that much time either. But just a little something that will help sink in these these concepts. Before I give the homework from this episode, though, Jay, is there anything else you really want people to take home from this conversation today? Well, I think um, people might be wondering why good design is important. And design is a plan or an organizational system for your quilt. It's the opposite of change, and the result is visual organization. So I just think that's important to put out there. (laughs) Well, and I think for me what's important is that a lot of this, I think, is instinctual. We sort of know when we're looking at good design, and we know when we're not, even if we can't always put our finger on it. And so I think for those people for whom thinking in this term might be new, to to say, I don't think you're going to find it as hard <laughs> as you think it is. That's not to say that every person has this wonderful, full-blown artistic sense. I know there are some of these, when I look at the list of elements, some of them I feel like, yeah, I've got that down pretty well. The other ones I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure that I am you know have an eye for that. Well, um, I think people, especially visual people, have an innate sense of good design. They may not know what how to express it in terms of the elements and the principles, but people know when they're looking at something that's not good, (laughs) I think. Right. Well, our hope is that by doing these segments, people will be able to more easily name what it is that they're feeling. You know, if they look at something and it doesn't feel right, then by doing these segments, you'll be able to say, well, that doesn't feel right because, oh, I don't think it's 
the balance is off or you know those those shapes don't work well together so i you know hopefully people will be able to as we say name it and claim it um by the end of these segments yeah i think that's a good goal Okay. All right. So for the homework of this segment, then what I want people to do is simply start looking at your own quilts or going through a lot of photos of quilts on Flickr or when you're at a quilt show or whatever, looking through books and magazines. See if you can identify particular reasons why you may or may not respond to a quilt beyond just, oh, I really like those colors or I like that block. Look at the overall design. See if you can identify what is it particularly that you like about something. And I think that exercise will get us in the mind of beginning to think in terms of design right off the bat. All right. Jay, anything else you want to say to folks before we uh, call it a day? I'll post some notes and things on my blog about design too. So keep checking back and I'll put a, um, an idea, a term in my idea cloud for design so that people can just click on it and look at whatever I've written on design. Okay, fantastic. And I will obviously have a, a link in my show notes to this episode to your blog and to that page as well. So, Thank you. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jay. And I'm looking forward to getting this segment uh, going for however long we have it going. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Thanks for asking me. All right. And thanks again, Jay. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and all the work that you're putting into each and individual segment that we're going to be doing. Um, so everybody, again, sometime in the next few weeks, we'll be catching up with another segment. That doesn't mean I'm waiting for a few weeks to post another podcast. It's These segments will appear periodically in my podcast episodes. We're just not sure exactly when the next one's going to be able to work out. We're hoping two to three weeks. Uh, so anyway, Let's get on to a little bit of a Sandy update and then um, the fun drumroll please announcement as to who won the drawing for the uh, summer quarter stash challenge and the announcement of the next challenge theme and then listener comments. Uh, Sandy update pretty quick. Once again, I've been on the road a lot. This, you know, I keep saying, boy, it's going to settle down soon, but Pretty much between July and October is when I do the vast majority of the travel for my job. So between that and a lot of family travel that's been happening with taking kids to school and then going to visit kids at school and all that kind of stuff, I'm on the road a lot right now. Um, but yes, it will eventually, I hope, settle down. Uh, I did get a little bit of sewing done on my own stash challenge uh, project. Did not come anywhere close to even having it, you know, close enough that anybody could tell what it's going to be. But I am still working on it. I am doing snail's trails blocks. I have seen those also referred to periodically as monkey wrench, but the block that I learned as a monkey wrench block doesn't look anything like a snail's trail. So that's one of those things about block names. They are, you know, highly variable, really. Um, I think probably originally geographically, but now they're kind of more melded. In any case, um, for some reason, I've always wanted to do a snail's trail block. Not entirely sure why the block appeals to me, because when you think about what snail's trail means, that's actually a little bit icky. But uh, I have also wanted to do something that's kind of used a lot of neutrals with just pops of colors. And so that's what this, um, what I'm using the, the impetus of this challenge to do. So I've got my snail trail blocks, which is going to be the pieced background uh, with applique on top of it. And I've got them all cut and partially sewn. 
I have to do 16 altogether, but they're kind of big pieces, so it's not going to be a troublesome thing. I just haven't had the time to sit down and make any progress on it. But um, I'm out of town again this weekend. I leave bright and early tomorrow morning and won't get back until Monday night, but then I have Tuesday as a comp day, so I am planning on spending some time on Tuesday in my sewing room. In fact, I'm hoping to spend most of Tuesday in my sewing room. So that's the only real update I have on the quilting front. Oh, no, it's not. I do have a new exciting development. Uh, I think I mentioned probably back at the beginning of the summer when I dropped off another quilt with the long arm quilter that I have been um, wonderfully utilizing the last couple of quilts I've made, Andrea, and of Old Glory Quilting. And she um, completed the next quilt top that I had dropped off to her, which was my cautionary tale quilt. And I was able to pick it up from her, um, oh, probably, I guess it was just last weekend. And now I all, all I have to do is trim it up and put the binding on it. And in fact, we talked about it. If you recall, this is the one that um, just is not square no matter what I do to it. She said it didn't create any issues with her in terms of long arming. The way that she did the long arming, it was fine. Um, and then she said I wouldn't worry about squaring it up even now. Just, you know, put a binding on it and be done with it. It's the, the edges are straight and everything. It's just they don't quite come to completely right angles. And it's never going into show. It's never going to be anything other than a kick around quilt for a, a young adult woman. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to throw a binding on it and call it a day. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting that one done. Um, I don't know when I'll actually get to it since I'm in the midst of, you know, something like 15 other projects <laughs> at the moment. At least it feels like that. Um, the other kind of exciting thing that's happened, and I really, really appreciate this. I received a wonderful and surprising gift from Carolyn in the UK. She sent me the um, other new Pam and Nikki Lintot book, Larry, more layer cake jelly roll and charm quilts. Uh, she had just heard my episode in which I was talking about the jelly roll sampler book that I just bought when she was going to a show where the Lintot gals were <laughs> there, and she got me an autographed copy. And it is a wonderful, wonderful book. I so appreciate it, Carolyn. I immediately sat right down, went through it. It has a lot of really wonderful patterns. I have to say, I think the Lintots are quickly um, coming right up there with my other, really my other two favorite designers, Melissa Ray Hawley and uh, Carrie Nelson of Miss Rosie's uh, Quilt Company. The, the three of them just, they all have the same way of taking pretty simple designs and just making them absolutely gorgeous in the way that they set them or the way that they combine blocks and the way that they use colors. And of course, um, actually all of them also use a lot of pre-cuts, but you don't need to use the pre-cuts. Melissa Ray Hawley's big thing was all fat quarters, is all fat quarters. Uh, Carrie Nelson has done a lot with charm packs and layer cakes and um, some with strips, but mostly the charm packs and layer cakes. And then, of course, uh, the Lintots do layer cakes, jelly rolls, and charm quilts. And um, in this book, there are several that I picked right out that I would love to do. And just using scraps, just creating, you know, the 5-inch, 10-inch squares, 2.5-inch strips from my own scraps. And um, being able to use some of these in these patterns. Because some of them, it would be too busy if I did them just as is. But if I used kind of a a plain white or a, you know, light neutral of some sort as a background, then you can get away with a lot of scrappy in there. So it is just a beautiful book. Um, another winner from the Lintot girls who are, as we found out, mother and daughter. So thank you very, very much, Carolyn. I really appreciate it. It was a very special gift and I can't wait to <laughs> 
clear, clear the decks of some other projects I've got going on so I can start one from that one as well. So on to the uh, warm stash challenge or the summer quarter stash challenge using warm fabrics. Didn't get a whole lot of entries, but I did get a few. I suspect, you know, a lot of people just had other stuff going on over the summer. Um, Didn't get quite as many entries as we have in past ones. And most of the photos, I think, are already posted in Flickr. Uh, And I will double check sometime next week when, you know, my personal dust has settled, (laughs) as it were, and any that weren't posted in Flickr that were emailed to me instead, I will try to get posted to Flickr. And one person did ask me, and I I never really thought about this, whether I had set up a separate Flickr group for the challenge. And, you know, I really probably should because it would make it a lot easier for everybody to find, myself included, when it comes time to do the drawing. But, um... I will try to keep that in mind for next time and, and do a dedicated group probably for the challenge photos. Uh, but had some wonderful ones. Appreciated those of you who did submit entries. And I used the random number generator to uh, choose the winner. And I am very pleased to announce that this time the winner is, drumroll please, Noni. <laughs> I think it's about time. I don't know. I really can't remember. I don't think Noni has ever um, won any of the giveaways I've done. Hasn't necessarily entered a lot, but she does a lot. She comments on all of our podcasts. She listens to our podcasts like the second they're posted, um, like in the wee hours of the morning, the second they're posted, (laughs) she'll listen to them. And um, also, you know, does all that while she's keeping up with her own quilt podcast and her the rest of her life, you know. (laughs) Noni, you are an impressive woman, and I am so happy to be able to send you uh, what you have won from this challenge. So thank you so much to everybody for participating. Really appreciated it. And I do hope you'll all go to Flickr and check out the photos. Now, the next challenge. Here we go. This is the final stash mystery challenge of the uh, year of 2011. This one is going to be the fall slash early winter quarter. And here is the theme. Yes, it is going to be the holidays. We quilters do love to decorate our houses with quilty things for holidays. So this quarter, create either a table runner or at least one placemat, if not an entire set, for the holiday of your choice. And it can even include spring and summer holidays. And this table runner or placemat can either be for yourself or as a gift. So you can use this as a way to spur yourself to maybe get some holiday gift giving done. Uh, So again, a quarter This quarter, create either a table runner or at least one placemat, if not an entire set, for the holiday of your choice, including spring and summer holidays, fall and winter holidays, any holiday of your choice. And to do this, you must use at least three fabrics from your stash. And again, I never say how much of fabrics because it all depends on the project you do. In this case, the projects are relatively small unless you make a, you know, 12 placemat collection, I guess, then you might use up a lot of fabric. That's not a bad idea. Uh, But in any case, use any amount of fabric you want as long as you use three different fabrics from your stash. And the results are due December 12th at midnight, whenever that happens in your time zone. December 12th. 
2011 at midnight. And that date, odd as it may sound, because it is a Monday, is because my own guild meeting is on that Tuesday, and uh, that's when my guild's challenge deadline is. So again, table runner or at least one placemat for the holiday of your choice, including spring and summer holidays, fall and winter holidays, does not matter, with at least three fabrics from your stash, due December 12th at midnight. It doesn't, you know, my usual rules apply. It doesn't necessarily have to be completed, although with something this small, eh, you know, you might want to try to finish it, especially if it is going to end up being a gift. Um, Three fabrics, any quantity, send me the photo or the link to your blog, or if you post it in the Flickr group, send me a note that you've done so, because sometimes it's a little bit harder for me to track what's in the Flickr group, short of going back through and digging through all 400-some-odd photos that are now posted up there. Okay, moving on to listener comments. I do have a few from the last week, even though it's I think it's been a little bit of a short week. Um, got a response in the Big Tent, uh, the <laughs> quilting for the rest of us subgroup to the Big Tent, Quiltcast Supergroup, um, when I had done the episode on responding to natural disasters that um, I had posted in Big Tent and then had done an episode based on everybody's responses. And So Excited Quilts had then later, after listening to the episode, also posted her response. And she said, personally, I do two things when I'm stressed and I feel as though my world is out of control. Um, either by world events or daily stresses. She says, I quilt and I organize. At work, my staff knows when I start going through my desk drawers and cleaning, I am stressed. At home, I organize my sewing space and start quilting. Getting a part of my world, whether it is drawers or sewing space organized, gives me a sense of control, at least in one area of my life. Quilting, as mentioned by others, has a repetitive motion that is calming. So thank you very much for your response. And I agree, I don't necessarily always respond to stress by cleaning, but it is sort of a way of me um, reclaiming space. I have been going through the house and cleaning everything now that... um, Everybody has now moved out. I am now officially empty nesting. My nephew moved out this week as well. And the first thing I did was really gave the kitchen a thorough cleaning. It needed it (laughs) at that point. And um, I'm kind of going through and taking one closet at a time and sort of, you know, kind of reclaiming the space. Uh, Sort of a clean slate thing. Because they're all going to eventually move back in at various times. But I kind of feel like if I can at least get it back to sort of a zero point, (laughs) then, you know, it gives me a little more of a fighting chance when they do move back in. Um, Crafty Garden Mom, Tanisha, by the way, I was in Tanisha's uh, neck of the woods, more or less, uh, this week. I actually was in um, Washington, D.C. on Monday and Tuesday and landed in the uh, BWI airport, so I kind of waved in the general direction of Maryland (laughs) to say hi to Tanisha while I was there. So, hey, Tanisha, I was there. Um, okay, we also have, uh, I'm sorry, let me finish. She posted a comment on, <laughs> I had posted a blog entry on a day when I really had nothing else to say with a link to a Flickr group of golden retriever puppies. <laughs> Those are just the darn cutest pictures. So I got a lot of comments actually on that entry and, um, Crafty Garden Mom, Tanisha, said she would love to get a dog, but with two little ones who already eat, play, and poop a lot, they're all I can handle right now, lol. And I I certainly understand that. We actually got, after we got married, I grew up with dogs. We never even had, when I was growing up, I was on a small farm, so we had never fewer than 
three dogs, in fact. Um, so when my husband and I first got married, we decided fairly early on, as soon as we were in an apartment that would allow pets, we got a puppy from my family and our line of puppies. And then three months later, I got pregnant with my son, my firstborn. And I'll tell you, that was not fun. We were still kind of doing the whole potty training thing when I was in my first trimester. It was not a good time. <laughs> my husband had to do a whole lot of um, cleaning up at that point because I just couldn't even come out of the bedroom until, well, let's not go into details. <laughs> so anyway, um, Cat Girl is a new follower on the blog and also appreciated the photos of dogs and cats. So thank you for your comment, Cat Girl. Uh, Roberta says she can't imagine life without a dog, and I agree. I clearly can't even imagine life now without two. Sometimes it would be nice. Uh, Anne-Marie says, I love the Snail's Trail block, and she has made one before, and she's, um, however, it is simply a quilt top. So, yes, I would encourage you to take it to the Long Armor and get it done. Um, thank you to Colleen for playing along with my little game of Name That Block in, in so many pieces. And uh, Very Lazy Daisy also posted, she, again, of podcast fame. And she also uh, says that she loves the Snail's Trail and has made one before. And um, I'll get back to that comment in a minute. Sherry commented on episode 60, and that's the one I did in which we respond to the world through quilting, um, that she does also do a lot of quilting for charity to um to respond to the world through world tragedy and uh she also wished me safe travels so thank you sherry i took that wish for the travels i did and i will continue to take it for the travels i do this weekend uh noni also left a comment and um, she says that she always collects the bottles of hotel little sample size things that they put in your room every single day in the hotels and she collects them and they put them in their safe house donations for charity um, and they also have an organization for training the homeless so that's another place i would suggest you check out some places don't like the small trial sizes they prefer real the the large sizes but there are a lot of places that like to have the trial sizes so that they can put together just little you know kind of kits for people for in emergency situations so if you do a lot of traveling you might want to explore collecting those bottles um the problem is that I have now is I often travel just with a carry-on and there's only so many little bottles you can stash in one of those stinking court bags. So I often can't um, take them. Thank you also to Bibliotecaria, too. I'm probably mispronouncing that, uh, for your comment on my photos in Flickr. Now, the um, comment I wanted to get back to, Jerry, Jerry, where did that come from? Jackie had commented on the post I had made um about wearing perfume every day. And I wanted to uh, read this comment because it does just go to something we do all need to be aware of. Jackie says, I am one of those highly allergic individuals who react violently to scents, all kind of chemicals, pollens, foods, flower, dander, and the list goes on. I have to plan trips out to public places carefully and make sure the situation is flexible enough where I can leave immediately or spend the next day or two in bed. Reactions depend on many factors. Things like church, group events, meetings, movies, etc. are out altogether. I'm fortunate that my work setting is such that I'm in a semi-private office and all my employees know that they can't wear perfume, hairsprays, lotions, etc. to work. Most meetings I miss, except with those I report to. I appreciate your consideration. And... um. 
she appreciates having podcasts and blogs because they connect her to the quilting world in a way she can't do outside of her home. Um, and she does have her own blog as well at SoExcitedQuilts.com. So again, that's just a reminder to all of us that um, there are people that have issues with scents. And so we just need to be aware of what we're wearing and where we're wearing it. Um, thank you very much to Nancy for your email in response to episode 57. And um, she found that very helpful and she's working on reducing her stash as well. And um, Paula posted on uh, the Quilting for the Rest of Us Facebook wall that she is listening to my podcast because it makes dusting and cleaning so less painful. <laughs> so I'm glad I could make your day go just a little bit better. Uh, that's it for this week. And um, like I said, I'm heading out of town. I have to be on the road at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, which actually isn't as bad as when I needed to be at the airport at 5 a.m. on Monday. 7 just sounds like, oh, I can sleep in. <laughs> so, But I will say it's a six-hour drive. And guess what I'm taking with me? My iPod with all my podcasts to listen to. So I'm hoping to do a little bit of catching up between my drive down on Friday and my drive back on Monday. And looking forward to it, actually. I always enjoy driving, and um, I have to say I actually have a new car now because my daughter took my old car to college with her. Uh, we figured she had a better shot at getting another four years out of the car than I do because I put close to 20,000 miles a year on my car. So it just made more sense for me to have the new one. Um, and I ended up having to wait for three weeks to get it um, because... I had to actually have one shipped in because the only ones of the car that I wanted that existed anywhere um, anywhere on the north side of the country, in fact, were in a color. They were all in the same color, and it was a color I really didn't want to be driving for the next 10 years. So I ended up having to wait for it. I was stuck at home for three weeks, which was not altogether a bad thing for the first week and a half. Um, but then the second week and a half started getting tedious, and we ran out of almost every grocery <laughs> in the house. So I am thrilled to finally be back on the road again. First thing I did when we picked up the car, went straight from the car dealership to the grocery store <laughs> to restock the house. That was a good trip. Um, but anyway, so I'm, you know, it's kind of still a novelty to be driving my new car and I get to drive it now for 12 hours round trip. So that'll be fun. Um, I think that's it. I will be posting again next week. Once I get home from this trip, I'm actually home other than a couple of weekend trips, but during the week I'm home. So should be able to post on a fairly regular basis. Don't forget your homework from our design segment that you're supposed to be checking out quilts and seeing if you can actually name why you are responding to a quilt the way you're responding, either positively or negatively, and try to be as specific as you, as you can. And I think you'll find that, yes, indeed, you are looking at it with a design eye when you do that. And then um, start looking forward to our next segment with Jay, in which we are actually going to start diving into the actual design elements. And then, of course, the stash challenge. Um, I think that's it for now. So um, thank you all for listening. Don't forget, you can post your comments on the Quilting for the Rest of Us show notes at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And there you will also find out how to follow me on Twitter or um, follow the blog or sign up for the newsletter, which I skipped August. Sorry, <laughs> I was on the road too much. We'll try to do September, although now I'm running out of September. Um, 
You can also join our Flickr group, which I would really, really recommend because I love seeing everybody's photos there. Um, that's the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Flickr. You can join the Kiva team. You can follow me on Goodreads or friend me on Goodreads. And of course, our Facebook wall, Quilting for the Rest of Us. And I'm sure there's other things I'm forgetting, but you will find all of those links all in one fell swoop at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Keep talking to me. I love your comments. Love to get them. And um, especially when I'm on the road, it's always fun to read them when I'm gone. Gives me a little bit of quilty life when I'm not doing quilty stuff. So until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Love you, Mom.